Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Side, designed by Jamie Stegmeyer, art by Jacob Rosalski. Published by Stonemeyer Games in 2016, one to five players, 30 minutes per player. Scythe is an action selection area control game with asymmetric player powers. Wait, no. Scythe is an engine building game about farming in a war-torn landscape. Still not quite right. Scythe is a heavily thematic game about military conquest using primitive mechs in an alternate history 1920s Europe. The problem with opening this damned review is that Scythe is all of these things and more. Everything about this game, from its artwork to the mechanics, is intended to blend and subvert traditionally opposing game philosophies, which would be a problem if the result weren't so good. Fit and finish. The first thing you'll notice about Scythe is its beauty. Long before you play the game, you'll be immersed in its world due to the incredible artwork and quality of the components. It's clear from the get-go that Stonemeyer wanted this to be a premium package, an object to behold as much as it was meant to be played. Fortunately, it comes across as sophisticated rather than flashy, as each component is both functional and richly thematic. Take the money, for instance. Instead of having uniform designs, each denomination is a coin from a different nation, depicting exchange rates and transitions of currencies during periods of conflict. Even the player's components are a delightful blend of new and old world ideals, with farming and economic pieces made out of wood, while the combat units, your leader and mechs, are beautifully sculpted miniatures that would feel at home in a cool mini or not game. And let's talk about Jacob Rosalski's illustrations. Designer Jamie Stegmeier has said that Scythe was directly inspired by looking at a portfolio of Rosalski's art, and it served to build one of the most interesting worlds realized on a tabletop. Everywhere on the box, the boards, the cards, you can find Rosalski's sprawling landscapes dotted with farmers laboring under the watch of their looming iron monstrosities which is great because the art captures a blend of perseverance and despair that I find really attractive, kind of like a Steinbeck novel, but with mechs. How it works. Muscles aching to work, mind aching to create. This is man. The overall concept of the game is pretty straightforward. Each turn, a player selects one column on their personal board, allowing them to resolve the listed top and bottom row actions, the next turn, they will have to select a different section, resolving a new set of actions. While the individual actions are identical for each player, the pairings are unique on each player board. One player's move may be paired with the building mechs action. Another player's may be paired with upgrades. Players continue to resolve selected actions to expand their control of the board, increase their economic efficiency, and secure military power until someone has reached six of the various triumphs within the game, each granting you a precious star. Think unlocking achievements in a video game. Once placed, they are permanent. Build to all your buildings? Star. Reach the highest level on the power track? Star. Fulfilled the secret objective? You better believe that's a star. There are many different triumphs, and when someone earns their six, the game immediately ends. Players are awarded money for each of their stars, territories, and resources they control, though what's tricky and awesome 
is that the money each is worth is based on the popularity level, a coveted resource managed throughout the game. Combat and control. Maybe everybody in the whole damn world is scared of each other. Combat gets its own section in this review because its costs and consequences are pervasive in every decision you make, even if it's a relative rarity inside. Units are separated between workers and combat units, which includes your starting character and up to four mechs that each faction can unlock. Much like the girls in my high school, workers flee back to their home base when you enter their territory, reducing your popularity. But hey, the upshot is that you get to keep the territory and any resources on it. It's only when you enter enemy space with their combat unit that a fight breaks out. For those of you that have played Rex or Tiny Epic Kingdoms, the combat will feel familiar. Each side secretly selects a number from 0 to 7 on their combat dial, which represents the amount of power they are willing to pay to win. Power is a commodity tracked on the board that caps out at 14. Players may also choose to add combat cards from their hand up to the number of combat units they control, each card granting an additional 2 to 5 combat strength. Then the victor is the player who has the highest total, with the aggressor winning ties. And again, the loser's units retreat to their home. Combat is one of the weirder aspects of Scythe, and the area that I have the most mixed feelings about. I really like that it's not overly punitive. The losers still have their hard-earned units, albeit at home. What I don't like is that it's so costly that players tend to only do it if they have an assured victory. Sure, you can't tell what's in your opponent's hand, but you can calculate the maximum they could possibly contribute, match it, and win. But that means you spend all your resources, right? So instead, you only pick fights if it's against someone who is too vulnerable due to lack of power, lack of cards, or both. Or you wait until the end of the game by winning a combat and placing your final star. And having someone make one final unstoppable attack, taking away your land, resources, and ending the game with no chance of retribution can feel pretty frustrating. Not unfair, mind you, just not particularly fun. Nuance. We could live off the fat of the land. Combat aside, it's the little nuances inside that makes it shine. Each player has two personal boards. One is their faction board, which determines their special powers and abilities throughout the game, and the other is their player board, which shows the action pairings. At first glance, it may seem like the pairings are relatively insignificant, but each game I've felt like I've controlled a wholly unique civilization with different strengths and economic focus. The action pairings especially impact your choices and opportunities throughout the game, and Scythe is all about taking advantage and chaining those small, turn-by-turn -turn opportunities. Another subtle and really cool thing about Scythe is how resources are controlled. Unlike most games where resources are earned and kept in some abstract pile separate from the environment, in Scythe they exist in territories you control and can be moved along with your units. This simple adjustment provides you both a thematic and mechanical ownership of these pieces, which organically reinforces a player's immersion in the game's story. Furthermore, the presence of resources on the map creates interesting strategic decisions, as opponents may lust after rich, smog-like piles of wood, wheat, iron, and oil. And finally, that endgame scoring. Perhaps my favorite mechanism inside is how points are distributed. By increasing the endgame rewards based off of an expendable resource, the game naturally encourages balanced play. Suddenly, the value proposition of each action is much more fluid when attacking a player to gain a star may also cause you to drop into a lower reward tier. It's nuances like that that provide the game with tons of meaty decisions turn after turn. Tone. 
There ain't no sin and there ain't no virtue. There's just stuff people do. People don't discuss the tone of games much, but Scythe presents a unique opportunity. Both tabletop and video games are dominated with exciting power fantasies. Even the harshest environments are depicted in a thrilling, fun, and empowering way. This contrasts to some of the best fiction ever written, where characters occupy sad, destitute worlds that I would never want to visit. Perhaps that's what makes Scythe so unique, beyond the high production values and tight design. Stegmaier and Mazalski have expertly utilized art and design to craft a fascinating and unique world, but one that is also humorless and grim. Like the muted browns and grays dominating the box, the strategic choices in Scythe reinforce that it is a cold, unforgiving, and morally agnostic world. Oftentimes, your best defensive strategy is to put your workers on the front lines, daring your opponents to attack civilians at the cost of precious popularity. Players are incentivized to consolidate power and make one final aggressive push to the end of the game. Many of my sessions have ended with a sudden but unstoppable combat, earning a final start and collecting a few extra territories along the way. Like humanity's worst fears during the real Cold War, a sudden offense by either side means the end. I'm not saying that this is bad. In fact, the thematic and mechanical tension is one of its high points, but it is very bleak, and there are no good or bad guys inside, only power, land, and resources. Even if you choose to play peacefully, war will be at your doorstep, influencing each and every decision you make. And that looming threat of attack is pervasive and perhaps the defining characteristic of Scythe. Players exist in a state of paranoia as they explore and tend their crops, lasting just long enough to prey upon some poor lone mech who has wandered too far like a calf separated from the herd. Final thoughts. And now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Overall, I really love Scythe. I think it's one of the most successful attempts at blending competing American and European gaming philosophies, heavily thematic and confrontational, yet also strategically rich and predictable. Best of all, the mature tone of the game feels organic and delicately interconnected throughout, a true harmony between mechanic and artist design. The game isn't without flaws. Players turtling until assured victory over a deterministic combat can be frustrating, and the intense but gray world borders on unwelcoming, but the high points by far outweigh the low. Scythe is a satisfying, extremely well-produced game, and one that I can easily recommend. Bonus, bits and pieces on Scythe that didn't belong anywhere else. Solo is really good. The Automa design is well-crafted, fun, and provides a challenging experience. Bonus that there are several difficulty settings. The third-party app Scythekick, which has Stonemeyer's Blessing, is a slick design that helps with endgame scoring, Automa management, and random faction and player board pairing. I really like the plastic sculpts, but part of me wishes that they could have been unique wooden abstractions of each faction's leader and mechs. I'm a sucker for cute wooden bits. This review was based off of the base retail edition of Scythe. I do not have the higher end resources, metal coins, or extended board. Those are all great, but also unnecessary. The expansion, Invaders from Afar, is an easy recommendation if you like Scythe. The base game doesn't feel incomplete without it, but the addition of two new factions is welcome. And the miniatures smell like vanilla cupcakes. Seriously, check it out. All right.
everyone. You have now listened to what I can only describe as an, a, a game review by way of American History X by putting all those Steinbeck quotes in there. <laughs> I have my buddies Rob and Chris who are uh, hanging out with me for uh, PAX. We're here at Philadelphia getting ready for PAX Unplugged. It's Thursday night and I'm recording this. And uh, I, I couldn't help but feel a little self-conscious about how pretentious it must be having these these Steinbeck quotes in there. <laughs> now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was the pervasive thing in my mind when I was uh, playing a lot of Scythe and working on this review is that tonally the game kept coming back to that that determined bleak setting that Steinbeck plays off of in things like Grapes of Wrath, Of Mice and Men, East of Eden, you know, all those kind of things just have the, the same incredibly bleak tone, but at the same time the characters persevere. They still move forward because they have to. That It's part of their engineering as humans and as mechs in 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 this game in spite of how horrible this all is we must move forward so um what did you guys think of the review i I thought it was great i thought i think i agree with you uh bleak one time i uh moved my workers and forgot my resources and but i could continue to keep building you i i couldn't agree with you more as far as as the the tonal aspect and how you really gotta like dig in into this. You really got to dig into this one. Rob, you you played Scythe once, right? Yeah. What was... Uh, this will be interesting. Uh, what was your take in playing it only once and then hearing this like complete teardown of this game? Because you played it, must have been like six months ago or more at this point. Did you feel like you had any connection to the review at all? Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of the things you mentioned, like I felt when I played that, like, there's so much to do and trying to figure out what you're going to do and then yeah. how I, to do it. And then it comes down to, like, that last-minute combat where it's like, I need that extra point. Yeah. Part of me, when I was writing this review, was feeling really, like, man, am I just focusing too much on this last combat aspect? But, like, at least half of the games that I've played have ended with someone just waiting until they knew for sure that no matter what, they could win this combat. Mm -hmm. It would get them their final star, Mm -hmm. and then they just go, all right, I do a move, I'm going to initiate this combat, and also all my other mechs are going to carry workers along to these like four other spaces, Mm -hmm. so that way I get tons of points on this last turn, and surprise, sucker, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing all this build-up stuff for that final combat to just kind of take the win and hope that... But in a way, I guess it's not too bad because I've had that happen where even me, you know, I was the aggressor. I was like, I will dominate the land of Scythe and, you know, (laughs) Europa is mine. And I go in and I do that and then... I didn't think things through enough or I didn't check where everyone else was and then we count up points at the end and then my wife is like, well, I was in the highest tier of popularity and looks like I win the game even though you remain a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know that huge battle aspect happened in several playthroughs with me too i i tried to use like the mines to try to backdoor and get one-on-one -on -one battles going and then just play the battle cards but it was it was definitely uh it was definitely challenging um but i just got tired of like just stacking the units on the factory and then everybody just battling for the factory at the end yeah. wanted to try i yeah, wanted totally. to throw another flavor in there you know yeah yeah well, you're still really hot on Scythe. You were just Love playing it. it the day before we went on this trip. You mm -hmm. sent me a picture of your, you know, your bear <laughs> hanging out in the wilderness with there. My, with my two me a mech on each side, you know, yeah. You know, and we've got our wood, and, and we're just, you know, I got the protective barriers up, and uh, the theme is just going, it's so great. It's, it, it's been able to introduce mechs to my wife. Um, you know, being an anime fan all my life, you know, like I've been trying to get her into it, and I finally got her with this one. Uh, she really loved the the, ba the battling in it, and she's not a big fan of the battle mechanics in games too. So I really felt like the battle mechanics fun too. So when you do have that big battle, at least you know it's a it's a fun one. Yeah, totally. Um, that that's something with Christina as well. She's she's never really been too much of an aggro gamer, but she does really like Scythe. Mm -hmm. Now that said. As much as I like the game, I haven't made an excuse to play it in probably like six months, maybe since I last played with you the first time you played, Rob. Yeah. And part of that is probably because the Cardboard Herald has been buck wild and taking tons of time. Uh, and I've been <laughs> like, oh, I gotta play all these new games. Uh, but also part of it is that I, I think... I've been looking for the right setting for the game, and it's something that I really want to take the time to appreciate. In a way, it's a lot like um, Jamie Stegmeier's previous game, Viticulture, that I really want the time to to think about, oh man, it's getting kind of kind of crazy wow, with sirens here in Philly. <laughs> getting a little local the flavor going. I don't know if you're picking that up at the mic at home, but that's a treat for you, directly <laughs> from Philly. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's one of those games that even though it can move pretty quick, I really like taking it all in and thinking about my moves and thinking about just the, the pieces and the artwork. And, and so I, I want to dedicate a night to it and that opportunity to, to have a, a full night to just say this is what we're doing for the rest of the night doesn't happen as often as oh, we're, the, we're the same way you know you want to do the game justice and, and yeah yeah, yeah totally. to, there's some there's times where uh, you know you'll take a move and there's four things that i missed and i was like oh man if i just took that extra second so we try to do it when we're fresh too and i hear you having fresh legs on this one's good i i should say i put in the original review that i don't have the metal coins um probably because i was a little bit bitter that they were all sold out everywhere. But I wanted to emphasize that the game was still good even if you didn't have the super upgraded components because I saw a bunch of discussion online about, you, you do you need the, all the, the upgraded stuff to really appreciate the game? And no, you don't. That said, I have those metal coins and they are super rad. <laughs> like, they are really cool. I use them for everything. Like I, I have this little wooden treasure box that has three slots with three different types of metal coins in it. And... Christina and I look for every opportunity we can to fit one of those sets of metal coins into any game that we're playing. Yeah, if it's uh, a game with money, we're going to the gold coins. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so, you know, caveat to that original line in the review. No, you don't need those metal coins. But yeah, they're totally cool if you have them. <laughs> when it's clanking? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and... 
and this is all about uh, thematic resonance throughout the entire game. So uh, that's it. Uh, I'd love to hear from uh, listeners what their thoughts are on Scythe. I know it became kind of a divisive game uh, throughout 2016, especially with the other Mega Euro coming out uh, that blended a, a lot of different concepts of being terraforming Mars. And it became kind of this this like battle online you know back in the day it was super nintendo versus sega genesis and now in the board gaming world it was terraforming mars versus scythe which they don't have to be mutually exclusive speaking from experience you can love both of those awesome games you can own both of those games you can own both and i do yes (laughs) exactly uh so uh i'd love to hear your thoughts on scythe email us cardboardherald at gmail.com or you can yell at us at cardboard Herald, um, and I'm going to be doing all kinds of stuff with uh, Rob and Chris here. Uh, Rob is part of the podcast at Paper Heroes Cast is the Twitter handle, yeah. uh, and you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Paper Heroes, uh, and then Chris. Well, Chris is just awesome and part of the the holy trinity of Death Force, and he's just uh, like uh, the third pillar of. The Cardboard Herald Strike Force here at uh, PAX Unplugged. So that's it. Thank you all for listening. Take care, guys. That again. You should let them know to come find you if they're at PAX. Uh, okay. I, we, we had to turn this back on, and that was a, a little uh, reenactment for you people at home because Rob's first statement as soon as I cut the mic was, <laughs> You should let them know to find you. <laughs> well, I'm sure like, jumping in the middle of this being like, This is supposed to be organic discussion between three buds, three bros, three... I wasn't sure if this was being posted like a week or like tomorrow. It is being posted tomorrow, uh, being Friday, the first day of PAX. So if you are in Philly and you're listening to this, then definitely uh, hit me up and any of the three of us will go and play games with you or talk about games or... Please give you a high five. Yeah, or maybe go find some of the awesome street food in Philly. It is bonkers how much better the street food is here than in Alaska. Yeah, I was going to say there's no street food in Juneau, but there's some. There's some tourist season. Only only during the summer and... There's lots of Filipino uh, street food. And there's pretzels. There you go. Oh, those pretzels are so good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Find those at PAX. Later, guys. As always, the Cardboard Herald is a completely free service focused on spotlighting games, gamers, and game creators. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Cardboard Herald and TCBH reviews, on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. For more recommendations and reviews, you can also head over to our YouTube channel. We do not pay to advertise the show, so please continue spreading the word, following, liking, rating, and doing all the social media things. It truly does help us out a ton. If you'd like to drop us a line and maybe have your listener mail read on air, Find us on Twitter at Cardboard Herald or send us an email to CardboardHerald at gmail.com or click the contact link on our page. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald and you keep on gaming.